never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show then you're probably a nerd podcast star wars special that's right it is may the 4th if you are listening to this in the future it likely isn't may the 4th but for those of you who are up to date it is may the 4th phil may the 4th be with you and may the 4th be with you hey special day it is a special day according to disney according to disney i love that well just like every other holiday a corporation might as well get it going yeah, you know what? Like it, 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 it's born from the fans, and it's obviously the play on words, and it's a great little holiday that we observe. And you know, they gave us some content today, which was really nice for a change. And in, in that, you know, the elephant in the room, Clone Wars is now finished. So yep. hopefully, if we discuss spoilers in this, people are not going to be freaking out. So here's your spoiler alert, everyone. There exactly. may be spoilers. Exactly. That's the beauty about this show, and that's why I like doing these types of specials, because we will go into spoilers. Something on the main show that we try to avoid, we talk, try to talk around over, but in these specials, we're going full knee-deep in spoilers. As always, I'm your host, I'm Boris, and I'm joined by Phil, and we are talking all things Star Wars today. So, we might as well jump right into it. So, before we talk Clone Wars, let's talk a little bit of Star Wars news. So, I guess, obviously, it being May the 4th. It seems to be the Star Wars day. It appears that almost everything Star Wars related is on sale today. So, you know, if you're in the if you're in the mood of buying anything Star Wars, today's for sure the day to do it. The films, the video games, the toys, you can find great deals on anything Star Wars. Which leads me to my first question to you, Phil. Have you bought anything today? I actually haven't bought anything today because I um pre bought it. Uh, I think starting Thursday, the emails were targeted at me. I have my Boba Fett Black Series helmet on the way. It should be delivered today. So I'm kind of excited about that, being a collector of that type of thing. And uh, I did post up a picture of a Mandalorian, heavy Mandalorian pop yep. that I had purchased. And I do have... Um, the Lego A-Wing set plus the bonus set for May the 4th uh, being delivered to hopefully today or maybe tomorrow. So Yeah, that's awesome. How about you? Did you buy anything? Not yet. No, I might take a look at some toys, maybe the pop figures. Um, you know, I haven't been a huge, as huge of a collector recently. I just don't have the space. After losing my apartment a couple uh, years ago and losing a lot of my valuables, it, it's really hard for me to get back into the collecting mood. But I think this is a perfect time to jump back into that, especially, you know, the uh, the Mandalorian toy, uh, the pop. That, I love that one. That's the one that I really wanted from the get-go. 
Um, so yeah, so I'm going to take a look at that and maybe some books. I'm going to see if I can uh, pick up some books. Um, it's been a while since yeah. I picked up some Star Wars books. There's a lot of good books right now. Disney are kind of hitting it out of the park on that front. It, it's to the point I was actually caught up on all the canon reading under Disney oh, wow. at one point. I was, it, it, it was a lot of commute time and audible, um, but now I've fallen behind. I've got Alphabet Squadron and a couple others, and obviously Rise of Skywalker. I'm itching to get through that, but I promised myself that I would allow myself to read these Dark Crystal novels, and they're kind of continuous. So I'm trying to do that and finish that before I jump back into the Star Wars mode. But just as, a, as, as an aside that I noticed today, Lego announced that they are making a new Skywalker Saga video game. So Ooh, that's yes. supposed to be out later this year. So it's going to be all nine films. In a new Lego video game format. Yeah, I've noticed that in like when I go to EB Games, uh, EB Games is you know the Kane version of GameStop. Uh, I, I, I go to their website just to see what's coming out, and I always see that available for pre-order. So I'm super interested yeah. in what that is going to get be. And the simple fact that those Lego games are always a lot of fun, especially if you play the multiplayer. Playing them by yourself, super hard, still fun. Playing them with other people, a lot more fun. Yeah, and as well, Vader Immortal is coming out for the PSVR. I'm stoked about that because I've been jealously waiting for that to hit that platform just because that's the VR headset of choice for me, just because it fit a price point. Uh, but I'm really excited to play it because I've, I've been avoiding spoilers and whatnot with that for a long time. And uh, that got announced as a summer release today as well. So That's awesome. And if you are interested in video games, Jedi Fallen Order is on sale in the states for thirty dollars um special content today too yep uh the pc version thirty dollars uh and then you can get the physical version for 35 so that's really good price um and i'm sure that you can find deals on xbox on the microsoft store on the playstation store yada 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 uh so yeah, yeah so this is a great time if you've been eyeing something star wars this is probably the best time for you to to go and pick it up so that's uh, in terms of purchasing. I think the biggest set of news um, in regards to Star Wars overall is uh, the fact that, you know, of Thor and Jojo Rabbit fame, Taika Waititi, to direct and co-write a new Star Wars film. This comes after months of speculation, after months of him basically being scared shitless of doing so. I guess that was his way of kind of... Uh, of uh, deflecting on rumors and uh, innuendos, <laughs> but it's been almost just about confirmed. Um, what are your th- initial thoughts? I'm really excited about the idea that he's going to be in charge of a Star Wars movie. Um, just seeing his contribution in Mandalorian, not only as, you know, IG-11's voice, but also behind uh, that epic finale. Uh, it, it was it was just a great Star Wars moment, and I know that Disney are looking to ramp down a lot of stuff and, and get into this phase where they're planning and, and, and trying to get ahead of Star Wars while letting it breathe. This is the kind of news that kites the fan base along because, you know, Thor Ragnarok, like, holy crap, that was arguably one of the most fun Disney Marvel movies for me, uh, I don't know how everybody else feels. I know that, you know, hot off the heels, you had all the big Infinity Gauntlet and Endgame stuff. But 
I really, really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok, so I, I look forward to seeing him take a stab at Star Wars. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok was awesome. Jojo Rabbit was an yeah. awesome movie. Um, funny enough, the book that it's based off of, super serious movie, not so much. Um, so for me, it'll be interesting to sort of see what tone he brings into Star Wars. Um, is he going to keep it his normal, you know, whimsical self, or is it going to be a little more serious? Um, you know, from an idea, simply from an idea's point of view, I'm super excited. Where I am a little iffy, and this is my issue with all things Marvel, all things Disney. It's just funny for the sake of being funny. You know, not yeah. every, you know, like it. I'm not saying that things don't need to be fun. I like having fun when I watch a movie, but. You know, yeah. throwing in a joke in the middle of some of the most serious plot points is not my cup of tea, and I'm a little weary on him doing that, but at the same time, you know, it I, I kind of have a lot of faith seeing his work in Mandalorian um, and whatnot, so I'm super excited. I'm cautiously optimistic to a certain extent, though, but I think it's a great choice. I think he will do a great job with, uh, you know, kind of having free reigns, and I think that this is what the Star Wars... Uh, legacy kind of needs at this point. You know, we're moving on from the Skywalkers. We're moving on from being kind of trapped in the middle of the timeline. So it'll be interesting to see where in the timeline this takes place and seeing how mm -hmm. free reigns he has and seeing just seeing what characters he's going to come up with. I'm really interested to seeing Star the Star Wars world expand outside of the Skywalker lineage. Oh, it has to. The, the things that concern me about it, similar to you, was the whole Lord and Miller fiasco with Solo. I just hope that this isn't another opportunity that Kathleen Kennedy, you know, terminates somebody partway through their endeavor. Um, even if it's bad, I want to see it. I, I, I do agree with you on the humor. On Marvel, I think they walk the line very well. But with Star Wars, I think that in the new Disney world, They've gotten it off a couple times. Like I, I personally thought the Last Jedi, the comedic pacing that felt was interjected into that movie, didn't fit the Star Wars universe. But that you know that's going to get boiled down to uh, I didn't like Ryan Johnson's take on the movie, or whatever. Uh, which maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Sometimes I like that movie, and sometimes I don't. So. I, I just, I do have concerns. There's a little bit too much um, forced comedy sometimes, but at the essence of Star Wars, there always has been a comedic kind of tone. There always has been these moments of levity, whether it's brought to us by C-3PO, especially in the, the original trilogy, not necessarily as much in the prequels where it felt, again, a little forced at times, you know, with Jar Jar Banks and whatnot. Um, there were... There's always been an essence of, of, of airiness in certain heavy situations. The joke has to get said. It's just get the right jokes, please. Someone would say, or some would say, it's Jedi forced comedy. <laughs> it's true. I, <laughs> I just, I'll, I'll, I still, my jaw still hits the ground whenever I hear Poe being put on hold or putting, putting like, the empire on hold and stuff like nothing there fit for me. Like yep. it just, was it just like, seemed off. I've never heard a phone joke in star Wars like that. Like it's weird. Yeah. But 
the movie that where the comedy did mix well with the story was in um, Rogue One. I found, you know, there were some yep. comedic elements to it, and I f- just feel that Rogue One, out of the Kathleen Turner era of Star Wars, um, that movie was by far, you know, from beginning to end. I'm, in my opinion, the best outing that they've had. So mm-hmm. if if this follows more the Rogue One formula. Uh, you know, where we even got new characters and were able to l- fall for these new characters and care about these new characters in two hours, you know, I'll, I'm going to be super happy and super thrilled. Having said well, that... Well, I, I would agree. Rogue yeah, One, for sure. Yeah. And having said that, you know, there's the other side of the coin where you have the Solos, you know, Solo and Last Jedi. Unfortunately, you know, part of me sometimes thinks that what really hurt Solo the most was Last Jedi. Um, I think that mm-hmm. if the movies were spaced out a little more, while not perfect, it wouldn't have been recepted the same way. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I, I'm 100% there. I think Solo is a really underrated movie. I think that um, it wasn't necessarily the perfect movie, nor was it the movie that needed to be made for Star Wars fans, but it got made. And I'm not ashamed to pop it into my DVD player and watch it. Um, and I think uh, uh, Force Awakens had the right humor. I, yes. I remember feeling actual relief in the theater when Poe was was discussing it with with Kylo. Like, you know, like, do you speak first? Do I speak first? I'm like, that's Star Wars. That that awkwardness, and then expanding upon that awkwardness, and then trying to deflect as Poe established a character that I'm like, instantly, he's a Han Solo type guy. And I'm like, those were the right mixtures. And then you look at what happened in Last Jedi, you look at K2SO with Alan Tudyk voicing him, just fantastic. Like he was the tension breaker and he was deadpan. You know, there, there's a lot of fun stuff that happened in some of these movies and there's a lot of not so much fun stuff that happened and in some of these fair, movies. And to be fair, if you watch the original Star Wars, you know, the, it does have its comedic moments. Let's not take, you yep. know, let's not forget that. It's not a technically a 100% serious movie. You know, Han Solo did have his moments where he kind of just added that comedic element regardless. Um, so, you know, and let's also remember that George Lucas as a writer isn't, he's not Shakespeare. You know, yeah. I think sometimes we hold those original three to such a high level that we are so hard on anything else that's been released, you know, but at the same time, I feel like we've had time to improve on it. And I feel that Disney has a pool of creators, whether it be comics, video games, movies, whatever, creators and writers that have been lifelong Star Wars fans that can give us a hell of a story, but just like my issues with Marvel, they seem to want full control at the end of the day, and there seems to be a lot of issues getting some of these movies made and out there with the original creators on hand. Yeah, you know, Rogue One was one of those movies that definitely started that experience trail, and then like a Colin Trevorrow, you look at uh, uh, Solo. There's been a lot of, of, of that fight that's gone on with the properties. Um, you know, but just going back to, I guess, a bigger meta point 
on Star Wars as a whole and our expectation as an audience. I know that we want the perfect movie every time. Every time we walk into the theater, we, we pay to see that big splash screen, you know, and the music and the, the crawl and everything like that. But we do have to remember that a lot of these movies were intended for kids. And we watch them as kids. And we watch them young in our lives, whether it be in the theaters or on, on video. This has always been a kid's franchise. And I think that we're trying to make them walk a tightrope as adult fans now, where we want it to appeal to us. And the nature of this isn't always aimed at us. You know, George Lucas, he he was making stuff that influenced him as a kid, you know, Flash Gordon and, and things like that and making this space opera. And, and, you know, the prequels, I watched episode three last night and it was painful, some of the dialogue. And it, it pales in comparison to episode two. Yeah. Episode two just had outright horrid dialogue. But that being said, I was a lot less hard on it last night because I was watching it in context to Clone Wars. So uh, those moments, they were filled with words that needed to be said. And I just think that they could have been done a lot better if they let the actors act a little bit more on their own. But he wanted certain comments to come across certain ways. And so be it. He's the guy who made it, right? And, you know, it's it's ultimately up to us at the end of the day, or, you know, when this is all playing out, whether or not it's worth our money. Right to go see it. There, there might be a point at which all Star Wars fans, you know, go no, and then a whole batch of new Star Wars fans go take my money, please. I want to yeah. see this. Attack of the Clones had some of the worst dialogue humanly possible in in, in movies in cinema history, in my opinion. George Lucas yeah. should never ever write a love story, ever write a romantic comedy, ever write anything that involves feelings again. Yeah. Yeah, you know, unless it's unbridled rage at something else that's happening in his life yeah. and he needs Darth Vader to come in, then then I'm okay with it. But yeah, yeah, love story is not his wheelhouse. Yeah, that's not his forte. One thing that you did bring, bring up is, you know, the expectation of seeing the big Star Wars marquee and the, the, the music. So this is a perfect segue to go into our regular um, topic of discussion for today, which would be the Clone Wars. So... <laughs> We are going to talk about the last four episodes, because the last four episodes were kind of all intermingled and uh, intertwined and kind of played off of episode three directly. Uh, so we are going to talk about episode number 130, one, uh, Old Friends Not Forgotten, episode 131, The Phantom Apprentice, episode 132, Shattered, and the finale, released earlier today, episode 133, Victory and Death. These four episodes were essentially just one, you know, a two-hour movie brought to you as, you know, kind of a perfect, um, you know, bookend to The Clone Wars. It's, you know, starting off as a theatrical release to this, not a theatrical release, but, you know, can be kind of distributed as a standalone movie. Yeah, as they did with some of the previous stuff in The Clone Wars series, they, they I think they did a Darth Maul little vignette of four or five episodes yep. as a standalone movie release. Yeah. And so you know what? I to, to to bring that and I think this is where you're going with that point. Because this is something that really stood out to me, especially in the last two episodes. The music is phenomenal. Like it's an actual character in this show. Like much like Game of Thrones type yep. thing. Yeah. It was it, fantastic. It, and it's very much reminiscent for me personally of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh yeah. I thought there was a lot of these really long noises and sounds that filled space 
and made you feel the gravity of what's happening on the screen, which normally I am pretty stupid to that stuff. And even I was sitting there going, holy cow, whoever did the sound on this, whoever did the music, just knocked it right out of the park. Even the final scene, in my opinion, just the the sound, the music, Mm -hmm. the feeling, the aura was just so well done and we will get into that very shortly so what we're going to do is we'll go through each episode kind of talk about the important points we'll talk about what we liked what we didn't like if there was anything and we'll just kind of take it like that so we're going to kick it off with episode number 130 old friends not forgotten uh so this is essentially where ahsoka uh and bo captain contact anakin and obi-wan uh essentially needing help in apprehending darth maul uh, as he's still hiding out in Mandalore. Uh, so initially, you know, while Obi-Wan is a little apprehensive, Anakin and the 501st, they get, do give Asuka, uh, a warm welcome until news arrives that General Gurias and the Separatists are attacking Coruscant. Uh, yeah. So, and then here, this is also when, you know, we kind of get the split off, where at this point Rex is promoted, Rex is in f- charge of the 501st, goes with Asuka, um, and they kind of do their own thing while we have uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin kind of leading us into episode three. Um, so yeah, so essentially, this is essentially when they uh, confront and walk right into Darth Maul's trap. So that's kind of yeah. like the highlight of the episode. Let's go and let's talk a little more about this. I thought that this was an excellent uh, beginning and kind of lead into the to the finale series. Um, I really like the way that at this point they um, do kind of start tying in episode three, but they still mm-hmm. have some standalone elements to it that kind of wrap up the story slowly while also still expanding the universe with the whole Mandalore and Darth Maul stuff going on at once. Yeah, for me, it was... It was a lot about hinting at episode three. If you're observant, you'll notice that there's an alternate story going on, and that's in the movie. But they're not bludgeoning you with it. They're letting you experience exactly what you've come to see, and that's the Clone Wars, right? You're looking for Ahsoka's story. You're looking for the Battle of Mandalore. You're looking for all of that. And some highlights of that episode for me were really I get a little bit choked up and it's, it's, again, a testament to the writing and, and the vision from Dave Filoni and, and this whole team, uh, voice actors, everybody, uh, all the hardworking people there. Uh, when they were paying Ahsoka the tribute, like naming that company after her and, and arranging yeah. to have Rex run it and whatnot, and the paint, I just like thought the that it really... And whatnot. What's that? And the face paint and whatnot. Yeah, and, and the helmet configuration everything it just instantly warmed my heart it instantly made me really glad to be a fan of all this because there it is fan service to to an extent but it just fits so well within that story and it needed to happen for her because she is becoming a force within star wars she is her own franchise at this point yeah, if anything, that's the biggest takeaway from all of this. You have Ahsoka and you have Rex. We all know what happens to Rex and Rebels and Return of the Jedi, but we still are a little unclear on Ahsoka's fate to a certain extent. We've seen her in in other uh, in other mediums, but we 
don't exactly know how she got there and we don't know where it's going to take us. So it's kind of cool that, you know, she is the standalone character. They did create this awesome character in Ahsoka overall. Um, and it's really cool kind of seeing that she gets the blessing of the other Star Wars characters and the universe for her to go on to Mandalore and try to capture Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, like, like you're saying about her fate, it's interesting to see how they're they're having to drive in between all of the stuff that they put in Rebels as well. Because we had the confrontation with Vader and Rebels. We had the end where she basically was in the unknown regions, we think. You know, like there there was question marks. There's there's a lot of stuff that to unpack there with her still. So I'm very happy about that, just overall. Um, but this was a good episode because her lightsabers were blue. You know, and, and they're white in Rebels and things like that. And I was just eating up a lot of the, the details and the, and the, the authentic kind of storytelling that was going on for the immediacy of the story, right? It's just like, yeah, but, she's still really battling with being a Jedi. Yeah. Really battling with it. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that tends to be a theme throughout the entire four episodes leading on to essentially the last five minutes of the final episode. Um the other thing that I absolutely love, and this is such a small detail, but I absolutely love this, and this is going back to tying it into episode three, is the intro, having the Lucasfilm marquee and having the Clone Wars, uh, traditional Clone Wars logo, you know, appear in yellow, but yeah. slowly go into red. To me, that, that no. little detail was just so cool. It made it feel like, okay, this is going to be epic, and we all know kind of what tone it's going to be. We know that shit's going to hit the fan. Um, it's just like, you know, strap on and let, let's go for this ride together. Yeah. And you know what? That little green Lucasfilm limited production, that that's a big call out to all the fans who watched this franchise on VHS and in the original movie theater. Before Lucasfilm had devised this great logo that they have now, um, that was what they used to show, those green letters. And that used to get me excited because the first thing you had the 20th century little prep and then you had this green screen then it was long ago in a galaxy far far away and then boom music and especially with that first episode they had the full music like yeah. they went right into they went it john like, williams. Hey, this is a movie yeah they went you know? full john williams yeah one thing this is a complete sidetrack but you know thinking about that the iconic you know 20th century fox intro leading into the lucas films <laughs> leading into the star wars do you think now that Fox 20th Century is owned by Disney. The next few Star Wars movies will have that iconic Fox intro. Here's the interesting thing about what's going on with that whole Fox thing. If you watch the movies on Disney Plus, the movies that were distributed by Fox still have the Fox intro. And that that was shocking to me cuz even on the 4K Blu-rays that they released, you get on Return of the Jedi, the 20th Century uh, 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 pre-roll. So I'm wondering as well if that's going to be something that, you know, depending on how Disney divide up this company, right? And depending on how they see the properties that they inherited from 20th Century Fox. And this one's a complicated one because they bought Lucasfilm before they even considered buying 20th Century. So 20th Century just had distribution rights on video for this stuff and, 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 and the airing rights and whatnot. And now, you know, it's all under one roof. I'd love as a fan to see that because that was a huge component, but 
at the same rate, there's a whole bunch of new fans that are coming to the franchise who that's not really important to them. I, I don't know. You hear about all this stuff where people are watching Netflix on advanced watches, you know, like 1.5 times and things like that so they can get through more content faster. Uh, it's not the way I personally would consume this type of media or any, but yeah. I get I it, it's the world's different now. I don't know that those traditions are really looked upon beyond our generation, you know, or, or older. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not technically your generation, but even yeah. I, when I went to go watch Phantom Menace, that was the first movie I could watch in the theater. Um, you know, that, that, that 20th century Fox role was super cool and super important, but now, you know, do they even know, do they even care? Um, and it's funny that you brought up the whole consuming content in 1.5, 1.25 speed. Um, I can't even consume a podcast at that speed. It, for me, if it's, if it's not at its regular speed, it just, it just takes away so much. I agree. There's pacing. There's there's all kinds of stuff. Like I, I know people do it with audible books and things like that. And I'm like, I do not want, uh, you know, to. I already have to take stuff away and think about it. I don't need to take stuff away in a more exasperated fashion and try to feel that I'm not even able to think about it. Like I find it very disorienting. But to each their own. If you're able to do that, I know there's people who can read a book a lot faster than me. I don't know how they do it, but. I'm slow as crap when I read a book, but, you know, other people seem to be able to consume hundreds and hundreds of pages in, in a matter of hours, if not a day. All right. So back to the Clone Wars. Uh, the, so that's episode 130. We are now into probably <laughs> my favorite episode of the four with the most epic opening few minutes. Episode 131, The Phantom Apprentice. Um, so in this episode is the big fight, the face off, Oscar, yeah. Asuka and Maul. Um, and at this point we're kind of seeing, you know, um, so Darth Sidious escapes before, uh, you know, there's a lot of back and forth between Obi-Wan, um, and, and Asuka. Uh, and essentially this is where we find out that Maul essentially wanted Anakin to be the one instead of Asuka there, uh, because obviously Maul knows what's actually going on. Uh, this is the episode, correct me if I'm wrong, where we do get the Darth Sidious mention, uh, but they kind of uh, ignore it to a certain extent. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is the one. Yeah, it, it, It's pointed out, and it's pointed out and shattered as well. It, yeah. it's, it's brought to the council and shattered, but uh, Maul tells Ahsoka about the whole way that he sees it unraveling in the force. Now, obviously he's still not Palpatine's apprentice. And this is what's interesting about this, because this is where we have to start putting our star Wars geek hats on. Yep. He is not privy to the actual plan. So Maul is finding out throughout this series, what's going on. Like, you know, we can even quickly jump out to the next episode, like order 66 and things like that. So, Maul's finding out in real time. So he's using the force and he's through his force feelings has found out that Anakin Skywalker is the new apprentice, but he doesn't know Darth Vader. He doesn't know any of this stuff. And he's challenging the people who are closest to Anakin to confront this truth. And they're not able to, because they simply cannot believe that this is 
something that a path that Anakin's going to go down, which I thought spoke really well to the character development. I know I kind of shit on this episode, the last episode that we recorded in the terms of the trope uh, that happens in this, you know, with the Star Wars, you know, join me and we'll rule the universe type thing. But I get it. it it's it's the fabric of Star Wars. So I, I'm, I can suspend that annoyance and, and it absorb it for what it really means. I just, just wish that they found new words to say it. But ah, beyond that, you know, it, again, it, it's got to be up there in my top one or two episodes of Clone Wars overall. And maybe of any, you know, cartoon media. There's not many cartoons that can do what Clone Wars is doing right now. That fight, both fights, the fights were just incredible. All the action scenes, uh, especially with uh, yeah. the 501st. Um and Bo Katan helping, uh and 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 when Almec gets assassinated, all that just the way that they were cutting back through the action, uh through the various story yeah. points was just so well done as well. They kind of, you know, action, 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 story, climax, jump to the other stories, you know? Like it's it was really well done and I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. Um and yeah, this episode was just 22 minutes of just awesomeness. I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. Now, that, that, all that stuff that you're talking about, that's the cinematic stuff that Dave's been learning throughout this whole process of making these, this and Rebels and even Mandalorian. I, I think it speaks to how much he's learned about how to tell a story through cinema instead of, you know, just being a guy who comes up with thoughts and whatnot. Cause if you watch on starwars.com, they have a, a, a weekly show or a, a monthly show on one of them. They have a uh, George and Dave sitting down to talk about clone wars. And that was one of his big takeaway points. And it really stood out to me as well in these episodes, how much it felt like a movie. And that's to do with where they're placing the camera, what kind of action is going on. And they're really replicating what Star Wars does really well when it's at its peak, right? When when Star Wars is is really getting that World War II style type footage and cutting it in there and 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 doing it on multiple fronts, you know, the 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 big battle with the clones and the Mandalorians and Gar Saxon and all those guys and then you you switch over to Ahsoka fighting Maul. You know, the classic good versus bad ideal versus you know pragmatic whatever you know you can you can insert whatever you want into it it's just such an epic storytelling and visual uh it, it's impossible not to know what's going on if you're a kid if you're an adult or whatever there's some really compelling content in there that was very well done and we always and we have the trope of you know the the near death of maul but being saved by mm -hmm. our hero character um and deciding to capture him instead of letting him die and perish and this again kind of like i there's just so much um internal battle and conflict with asuka asuka uh, at this point as well and and it just played out so well um and i really enjoyed that aspect as well um and going back to you know the whole cinematic uh view of this episode it had just the perfect cuts um, back mm -hmm. and forth between stuff, and it was just really well done. It was and, paced well. It was yeah. it was a real study in in how to put together 
how when Star Wars is done well, it doesn't matter what medium it's in. Yep. It, it, you know, it speaks so highly again of, of Dave Filoni and his whole team and all of, all of the actors and whatnot. It, it's, it was, it was a masterpiece. And I'm, I'm sure George was very happy with it. I'm sure George watches that and goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, this is the, again, you know, the, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and other people have seen uh, this, but, you know, I just do want to point out that uh, Ray Park was involved in this episode doing the motion capture for the fight yeah. with Darth Maul. So it's just, you know, it's just really cool that these actors are just willing to come back, you know, 20 years after the fact, always, <laughs> and, and just, you know, portraying their characters and keeping along with the lure. It's just really cool to see. I thought that was yeah, a nice I, little I think touch. Ray Park is still a little bit upset because I think no one really told him during Phantom Menace that they were going to dub him over. They weren't going to use his voice. Yeah. And then in Clone Wars, we have the great Sam Witwer voicing him. And I just thought it was funny how he, he lost out again, you know, and, and this was like the olive branch from Dave Filoni. Like, yep. hey, come on in and throw on a motion cap suit. <laughs> we'll get you into the cartoon one way or another. <laughs> yep. Well, so that is The Phantom Apprentice. Anything, any last thoughts before we move on to the next episode? No, I, you know what? I, I, I'm excited because Shattered, surprisingly, is has become one of my favorites as well. I rewatched it last night and there's some real brilliance in there. You know, you, you could do the recap. Um, so, yeah. So essentially, you know, I watched shattered and victory and death together. Uh, like I mentioned on Friday, I just wanted to watch them to close out this epic series. Uh, so I did watch shattered victory and death this morning at like three in the morning, uh, whenever I posted <laughs> onto our social media, um, so right now we will focus on episode 132, Shattered. Uh, with the siege of Mandalore over, Asuka and Rex prepare to take Maul before the Jedi Council on Coruscant. Uh, Mace Windu and Yoda contact Asuka via hologram and reveal that Obi-Wan has tracked Grievous down to Utapu, indicating that the war may be soon over. On their way to Coruscant, however, Asuka senses Anakin's fall to the dark side. Moments before Darth Sidious issues Order 66, branding all Jedi as traitors to the Republic and causing Asuka's clone troopers, including Rex, to turn on her. She escapes, manages to subdue Rex and frees Maul to distract the other clones. With the help of three astromech droids, Asuka then discovers and removes the chip from Rex's brain, restoring his free will. So this one yeah. was all story. This one was the direct link on probably the biggest, most impactful, most important part of Star Wars, regardless of what three tr of what trilogy you're watching, and that's Order 66. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even watching this unfold in the big screen for the first time back in 2005, uh, 2003, um, you know, this one, or 2005 it was, this, 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 this yeah. is crazy. I remember watching this in the theater for the first time, and just thinking, holy shit, this is so epic. And what I'm referring to is Order 66. And kind of seeing these side-by-side um, -side stories that happen in parallel just adds to that. And I think it was mm -hmm. just so well done, but yet so heartbreaking knowing what's actually going down in the, you know, the rest of the galaxy. But you know, we have this little story that we're really trying to focus on. 
And one of the biggest questions that a lot of people had was how did Rex, you know, not turn and how is he on Rebels and things like that. And, you know, there were allusions and it was alluded to to a certain extent, but actually seeing it play out was just really well done. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about on Friday. And that's kind of how, you know, everyone, uh, Dave uh, Filoni does such a great job of being given such strict scope and movement with these characters, because we all know how these characters are going to end up. We know the fate of most of these characters, but he's able to tell so much story with such little wiggle room that he has. Yeah, it, it was brilliant to recruit the three droids, as kitsch as it was. The fact is, is that they could free roam around the environment and, and accomplish things for Ahsoka in order to move that story. I found especially interesting the Mandalorian Jedi trap. I thought that that was very reminiscent of the Han Solo Carbonite kind of stuff that went on. And I love the the idea of those yellow asshole eyes just sitting there looking at everybody and, and you know, not being able to do anything and being so helpless was, was a very compelling story point. Yeah. I can One see. thing <laughs> that we haven't talked about. Yeah, I know. You saw that, right? One thing that we yeah. haven't talked about is the fact that it's Mandalore. Of mm-hmm. all of the planets, of all of the races, of all of the battles, of everything, it just had to be Mandalore that was heavily involved in this at this point in the story. Just to, again, this is probably the biggest fan service, but at the same time, it just worked out well, cons- all things considered, with the clones, with the story, with, you know, just Star Wars in general. I just thought that Mandalore made the most sense to be the basis of, you know, the the climax and ending to the Clone Wars. Yeah, and you know what? It, it again goes back into that whole Dave Filoni and John Favreau relationship because he played one of the Mandalorians on, on the show previously. That's how they met. And to see them making the Mandalorian now and to be able to, you know, at least attract people or eyeballs that watch. I know a lot of my friends who watch The Mandalorian really came back to me and they were really like the casual type fans and they were really excited to watch Clone Wars. And I'm like, I hate to tell you, but Clone Wars is going to be a really deep dive. Like there's this, this is going to be the seventh season. This isn't cake. This isn't, you're just going to walk in and know what's going on. These are real characters that have real depth. And then, you know, to dip back into that whole Mandalorian history where they distrusted all force users and, and, and have that history I'm curious to see where this goes because, you know, just as far as the Mandalorians go, because there is a lot more content to be told about the mining of the Beskar and things like that from the Empire and the destruction of their planet, because apparently there's only half a planet there. So, Kate, you know, I'm not exactly sure in the timeline anymore. My brain's kind of gone mush on that. Yeah. But well, again, it's seven it, seasons. There's a lot of content like let's 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 take a step back and talk about that we're seven seasons in these are not new characters you can't binge this in a day we are seven seasons in a very intriguing very in-depth very crazy story and you know i just think of rex back in season one uh rookies you know that Mm -hmm. and, and and kind of seeing even the other clone troopers and ever how everyone has grown up and how everyone has matured and changed and grown into the characters they are now. Um, if you are listening to this and you haven't seen the show just yet, I would recommend finish listening to this episode. 
But do yourself a favor. Go back and start watching from the movie and season hey, one. Hey, if you're in quarantine life, you can set aside a few weeks and, and go and watch all seven seasons, right? You you can complete it all in, in, in one, one kind of week-long binge. Yeah, and it, it's only 22 episodes or 22-minute episodes. You have 133. It's, not, it's, it's, a cre- it's a long watch, and it's worth it, but I think that overall the story uh, does – it's just – really well done considering all the changes that happened throughout you know first it was on tv then it moved to netflix and it got canceled and it came back and it was just a lot of movement but we were able to kind of get everything into a neat little package here in the end yeah and you know what to watch a so good character beyond jar jar banks in star wars to probably the most celebrated cartoon character ever in the Star Wars universe was quite a journey. And even with the clones, as Boris had mentioned, watching them evolve throughout the series, watching them go from just rank and file military to people with personalities. And then also remember that it's the same guy voicing every single clone. And that's, that a lot of times gets missed by people. So the range of the voice acting for this guy to do the same character so many times and still have distinct personalities and traits that come through in that voice acting pretty amazing stuff yeah no exactly so and you know in this episode as well just so we'll get back on topic ahsoka basically confronts the jedi council with the whole idea that darth sidious exists and they cold shoulder her i think that that was one of the major takeaway points you know beyond her going in and trying to get the 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 um the brain thing the order 66 chip identified in rex's head which was explored in either i believe it was earlier clone wars like way earlier yeah it was they found that chip in one of the clones or fives or something so there there's there was a lot of 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 again full circle and connectivity to the movie which i thought was good and I, i find it interesting as well that ahsoka and and Obi-Wan have such a contentious relationship. I guess, you know, uh, her walking away from the Order has really fueled some anger from the Jedi and some resentment. And, and Yoda was the only one that could see past that. You know, he stayed on that, that hollow link before he had to be dispatched out to Kashyyyk. You know, and Yoda's like, hey, do you have something you want to tell me? You know, <laughs> and she, she basically declared herself as a citizen and not as a Jedi. So they that's, they really turned on her. Mace that's Windu. exactly it, and I think it was uh, that's a very pivotal scene for the simple fact that that it kind of is her ending as a Jedi. Uh, we get the official ending at the end of the show, but this was kind of her. Okay, you know this isn't how this isn't working out. You do you, I do me. You know it's it's it, that was it. That was a separation right there. Yeah, her mind is unofficially officially made up. Because she's saying, I haven't decided yet, but you can tell. Obviously, we all know, but you can tell which way her fabric of being is leaning towards. And and if she can't open up to that group of Jedi, then I don't think that there's going to be anything. And especially at this point, she's still digesting the fact that Anakin is going to betray the Order. And she knows it. She has that insight from Maul now. So she's battling that belief and i think that the only person who could save her is anakin and yeah, yeah not gonna happen right yeah, which throughout brings the us series, to the next episode exactly 
<laughs> oh man. So the next episode is Victory and Death, episode 133, the finale of the Clone Wars. As Asuka and Rex try to escape from the cruiser, Maul destroys its hyperdrive with the force and causes the vessel to drop out of hyperspace and into a moon's gravitational field. Forced to fight their way through the clones, Asuka tries to prevent Maul from getting away, but she fails and Maul vanishes into hyperspace. Just barely clearing the doomed ship in the Y-Wing, Asuka and Rex escape to the moon, where they respectfully bury the clones, and Asuka discards one of her lightsabers. And this is where, in my opinion, just the perfect ending to the show happens. Years yeah. later, you know, snow-covered planet at this point, we see the Empire now in full strength. We see, you know, yeah. the, the, the recruit... What are those droids called? Oh, you see the uh, the oh, the ones that they used on Hoth and in, in, yeah. in Empire Strikes Back. I forget the exact name like of them. They're kind of their scout droids, recon droids, the recon droids. Yeah, yeah, the ones that make the cool sound. We see the Empire. We see the stormtroopers as we recognize them. And yeah, the snow troopers. Yeah, and we see Darth Vader on this moon, walking up to the ruins and finding Asuka's lightsaber. Yeah, and you know what? It it really drives home the fact that he lost her. Yep. And he got lied to. He got betrayed by the emperor. Yep. And he's now forever trapped in that suit. Yep. Right. And she is free. She yep. dr- she walked away. You know that that's what it told him. She walked away. And, it and was a I think that there's thing. a lot of regret in that moment from Vader, where he's just turning that shovel, going, "Man, oh man, what did I do?" Right, yep. like uh, as Anna can put it that way. Vader, obviously, I think Vader is just thinking about who he's going to mess up next. But, but I think the Anakin side of him is saying, "I don't know. Like, did I make the right choice? I, I kind of got screwed over by all these people who said that they were going to save the people I love and all this, and now everyone I love I'm is dead. An angry dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I either killed them or they were killed because of me. That's yeah. And, and and even though he's in his full suit. I, I, for me, and I might just be looking into this too much, but I felt like it was just such an emotional moment, just how slowly mm-hmm. he picked it up and how, how he was just staring at it, you know, turning it on, just staring right at it, like, oh, fuck, what has happened? Yeah. This is where I'm at. Um, and then the, the, the clone trooper's helmet partially yeah. buried with yeah. Ahsoka's, you know, the, the message was there, right? Yeah. It's, it's, do we know how long into the future this was? What's that? Do we know how long into the future this was? Um. Okay, you know, here's a little bit of canon geekdom, I guess. But just judging by the fact that we had full... I have to go back. I've only seen the episode once. So I apologize to all the listeners out there. And you can correct me if I'm wrong because I was wrong last week on Willow. I apologize. Willow is part of Lucasfilm, not Henson. I got confused. Um, so what happens is those stormtrooper helmets and whatnot are not relatively recent because the clone conversion takes a while. As we saw in Rogue One, they had reused some of the clone machinery as prison movers. And then, so that means that we're into a Star Wars type setting, probably somewhere between my guess would be between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I, I think there's like a, I forget the exact canon time punch that's in yep. there, but there, it's it 
there's quite a bit of time for adventures to be had I agree in that with time you, frame. 100%. And I think they're hinting at this happening before Emperor Strikes Back because we do see the snowtroopers, which were famous when they found Hoth and that being mm-hmm. the new rebel base. And I also think that it's a very significant point in time for Darth Vader because that's when he begins to doubt the Emperor. Yeah, and you know, it, it gets it gets really complicated too because they made a Vader comic. And they explored yeah. some fun stuff in that Vader comic. And in the initial time frame, I didn't finish the series. I collected it. I didn't finish it though. But I think that a lot of the fan base from what I'm reading out there today uh, on the internet is a lot of the fan base are thinking that is there a possibility that there's a new show exploring Vader's feelings and this timeline, this this in between maybe Star Wars and Empire or, you know, these big gaps between films where Vader's doubt, just like we, we, we spent a whole bunch of time in Clone Wars building him up to be Vader. Can we explore the idea that he starts to not become Vader to undo through it. cartoons and things like that? Yep. So that when we watch Return of the Jedi, it's now just not Luke saying something. It's There's a whole backlog of events that we've witnessed. There's a reason why Vader chooses to tell Luke who he is. There's a reason why you know he does a lot of the actions that he does in Empire Strikes Back and more so in Return of the Jedi. And mm-hmm. I think it would be very cool to explore, you know, this transformation from Darth Vader back to Anakin. Yeah, and you're right. Because that makes a lot of sense because it, you know, even the hope that he's offering Luke at the end of Empire, like join me, son, and we'll take over the universe and all that kind of stuff. That means that he's already, yeah, you know, he's got he's his made ground, up his mind. Well, in the ground, as far as 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 far as Palpatine goes, <laughs> yeah, he's made up his mind on Palpatine. At that point, we know that he's like, "Fuck this guy, he has screwed me over." But now we're starting to explore why he feels this way. Yeah, and I th- I feel like that last scene in the Clone Wars is such a pivotal moment, just because if you think about it, Asuka was there for most of his adult life, you know. Mm-hmm his pad one so why wouldn't he have this deep connection to her um having said that you know i know that she's probably moved removed herself from the force but it's it it, it would be interesting to see if he knows that she's okay if he knows that hey i was lied to and this is now my 100 here's the thing all right let's say we're right about that timeline that this is between star wars and empire that means that the battle with Ahsoka has already happened in Rebels. And she's already cut away his mask and knows that Vader is Anakin. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, so it, it, this is the problem with nonlinear canonical yeah. consideration. And we have to put into context what, who knows what, when. Yeah. And that's the significance, I guess, of Vader turning on the lightsaber because it's blue. Yeah. Versus white. So white, he knows yeah. that, yeah, he knows. There's a lot, like that. Changes it a little bit for me. Yeah, I forgot about that Rebels confrontation. Uh, sorry, yeah. the, the timeline of Rebels. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I'm it's sure a great that, timeline. It really is. And I'm sure that there's I some think, listeners listen, uh, yelling at us right now. No, you idiots. It takes place during XYZ time. Yeah, and maybe Davis said something. I don't know. But I, 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 
I just think it's a fun thing to think about, if nothing else. Like, like suspend what you might think you know or whatever and entertain the thought of what might be here because because like i've seen the insinuation that maybe there could be a series on it like i don't know how you voice that i don't know i'm sure there's people that can do it i i'm sure that it could be explored and i'm sure it'd be very compelling for disney plus like people would definitely be all over that if you put the right guys in charge like dave filoni maybe that's the kevin smith star wars show Oh my goodness! Uh, that I don't know if that would work for no, me. No, I don't think so. I, I don't. Kevin Smith is. <laughs> I would rather not have him touch any character we know. Yeah, I, I think. Or at else this it's going to be like you know Chewbacca yeah. banging another. Uh, yeah, it's. I don't even want to. Yeah, go I, I I would let Kevin Smith just fuck around with uh, He Man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's about exactly where that belongs and no offense to Kevin Smith or Kevin Smith fans I'm a huge one but yeah, I just don't really want to see him touch the things he loves like that because <laughs> but, know you know Kevin what Smith. who knows he could write a treatment that could be bang like spot on so yeah all, you know. I'm, all I'm saying is if anyone has seen the reboot and has seen Chris Jericho and the type of guy you know like that's what I'm afraid of <laughs> yeah so yeah, it's true anyways so <laughs> Let us know what your thoughts are in regards to timeline, uh, predictions, what you think is going to happen. Will there be another show? I'd really love to hear your thoughts. If we can, uh, you know, for sure, we'll uh, talk about this on Friday show and uh, possibly read some of your comments, questions. But yeah, yeah that's... if anybody has wants to express how they felt about the Clone Wars to us, uh, I'm, 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 I would love to read some of that in our feeds and whatnot. Just people's reaction to it. Yeah. I know there's so, a lot of content out there and, you know, quarantine life is difficult. Exactly. It is. You have nothing but to think about timelines of geeky stuff that doesn't even matter in the grand scheme of things. But I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. This is what I live for. This keeps me sane. Yeah. It's, it's actually a really big help <laughs> for myself. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's nice to be able to talk about this stuff and maybe have some people listening to it and forming some ideas or, or some opinions of their own, you know, and, and nobody's a hundred percent right in any, any of this stuff. And that's, that's kind of what's fun about debating canon. Right. Yeah. Oh, and something I was going to add actually was Darth Plagueis, which is actually like legends. It's not canon, but it's in that book. It's revealed that Palpatine executes Darth Plagueis during episode three. That's how close he was to still being his apprentice. That's something I was going to bring up at some point that I was reading this. And while in the legends, you know, you're kind of assumed to think that this takes place way before the original trilogy. We actually find out that all this happens during the trilogy, during that Mm -hmm. third movie. So it's just crazy to think that how close everything kind of happens in that sense. Um, and it's just, you know, cause for me, Plagueis is like a historical character as opposed to someone who was there throughout the entire time. I would love to explore that a little more and that relationship, uh, with Darth Sidious a little, a little further. Yeah. I, I'd love to see Disney canonize that book. I know that they've done it unofficially with some, some content and characters. Um, but I, you know what? And to be fairly honest, I haven't read it. I've got it. It's, it's on the shelf. Um, but I prioritized a lot of canon reading. 
uh, to just be current on, on a lot of that front. But this is one that's been really pinging on me. And just the more I hear about it, and the, I always thought Plagueis was ancient. Like that, exactly. That whole event between between Palpatine and Plagueis would have happened ages ago. And right? the way that he talks and about here him, it is is so current, right? Yeah, unbelievable. And the way that he talks about him in, um, you know, to Anakin, he just seems like it's some historical character that is a legend as opposed to someone who just died yeah and but he's doing that i think to manipulate anakin and uh, re-watching it last night it was interesting to see him fish in that conversation because he tries to get anakin to turn to the dark side against the jedi just because of hypocrisy and then when anakin doesn't bite he then starts to manipulate padme and brings in the darth darth Plagueis stuff and and then you could see a visible smile on his face, like of satisfaction when he hooks him. When Anakin, you know, finally turns to him and goes, you can do that. You can bring people back to life. And it's like, oh yeah, he just pulled the fishing rod. Like he just got him and he knows it and he's not going to push. I, I, I found myself sitting there thinking, how did that conversation end? Like, oh, topic change. Look at that watery person floating around. You know, like, like where do you go from there? Yes, we can yeah. even bring people back. And then, you know, all right, next thing you know, they're wandering around, you know, doing whatever. And I'm yeah. like, oh, man, how did that end? <laughs> but these are some of the things what, you know, it's frustrating from a story consumption point of view, but so interesting from a storytelling point of view, because it does lead to these types of conversations. Um, you know, Star Wars has a lot of holes in it and, you know, not plot, mm -hmm. you know, plot holes in the sense that something doesn't make sense it has a lot of those but it also has a lot of holes in the sense of that we can kind of make some assumptions and we can put our own take on the story to fill in what where some of these conversations took us and where they're taking place and what happened after those conversations um and that's one of the things i absolutely love about star wars that it leads yeah, to so many conversation among fans it, it's such an engaging topic. And, you know, again, thanks to Kevin Smith for, for putting it on screen, you know, like how many contractors died in the, the, the destruction of the Death Star, right? Like that was the first time I'd ever seen that on a, in a movie. And it's part of the reason why I loved Clerks, you know, that, that, that other people were thinking or talking about things that maybe you talked about with your best friends or whatever. And then, you know, it, it just changed the perception of that and it made it a little more pop culture engaging. Oh. As far as that went, and even Lucasfilm's attitudes towards Robot Chicken and, and Family Guy and things like that, Disney certainly wouldn't do that today. No. But back then, it allowed for people to make fun of some of those plot holes and whatnot. I couldn't even help last night watching episode three. Why didn't Obi-Wan or Anakin use the Force to knock those little buzzer droids off? I, I don't understand why he thought to shoot the thing and then you scrape it with his wing. And I'm like... There's so many non-confrontational ways to get rid of those things using the force. <laughs> yep. Agreed. 100% agreed. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been doing this watch and kind of the Clone Wars this season threw me for a loop. I was hoping I would be further on. But what I'm doing is I'm watching every in-canon Star Wars thing, movie, TV show, whatever, what have you, in order. So I started with Phantom Menace, went on to episode two. Then watching the entire Clone War series, then I'll watch episode three, then I'll jump into Rebels, yada, 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 yada. Um, yeah, Rebels so, and Rogue One. Yep, so I'm having a lot of fun Ooh. doing that. I'm still undecided on Solo, 
but I probably will watch I, it. You can fit. Have you seen it before? Yeah, yeah, I saw it in the theaters okay. opening night. Well, you can slide it in there because I think that has a lot to do with 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 Maul, the ending. That just yep. you know, we're just talking, you know, five seconds of screen time or whatever. But I think that it so lends. There, there's apparently some push going on this week. I think for for Solo Two online on Twitter. So there's an avid fan base that's just saying, make it for Disney Plus and let us see what you guys were going to do in a series or something like we want to know what happens with all these factions yeah. and, and gangs and stuff i think that's a really i think that'd cool be fun th- i think that would be really cool to explore it's kind of like the the um the underworld of the star wars universe we kind of get the imperial uh, military point of view of things but let's take a look at how you know thus the 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 villagers, the normal people live, you know? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's one thing that Solo kind of did portray fairly well. Um, yeah. You know, to a certain extent, that things are really shitty for people unless you are of someone of power. Unless you... Yeah, and you know what? Like, they, they sit there and they talk about it all the time. The Empire brings peace, right? And, yeah. and when you start reading these novels like um, Lost Stars and things like that, you really get empathetic towards the empire because they believe they're bringing peace to the universe and but really there's a lot of hardship yeah and that's what these types of movies portray is you know the scum and the villainy how they have to to you know mandalorian does it as well right because oh yeah yeah you know we're, we're watching these people scrape by a living in the universe and it's not glamorous right they're flying old ships and taking on some pretty shitty work in order to just survive and you know it kind of kind of brings you back to real life sometimes yeah a little too much sometimes fallen yeah. order really explores that as well it's kind of like yeah you know working in junkyards uh, retrofitting clone wars uh, uh vehicles to for the empire you know it's kind of it's interesting to kind of see that and i really like seeing that and again i which is which is why i really love the fact that we're moving away from the skywalkers and let's yeah. see how, how, you know, the peasants are living and how they cope with the Empire and whatnot. Um, to me, little- if I were a person sitting on Disney's board of directors, you know, I wouldn't want to be in charge of it because I don't think there's any way to, to make the right decision. So I'll even cast, you know, doubt on my own opinion here. But I would, if they want to keep Kathleen Kennedy as what she is, then that's fine. But give creative control to Dave, someone like Dave Filoni. Like give the art and the, the, those decisions to Dave and let the business and the production remain with Kathleen. She has skills obviously. Um, but it, it's just, it's too bad that some of the decisions and some of the, the things that have been done under Disney, I do think that they're learning from it. It's just a question of whether or not they're going to apply it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. In, in a big way. Yeah, exactly. I think Ideally, what they should do is kind of give someone like Dave Filoni and, you know, uh, John Favreau a timeline where they have free reigns on that timeline and anything that happens within that timeline, excluding key characters like the Skywalkers. You can create characters, you can kill characters, you can do whatever you want, but you have this timeline and go nuts with it. That would be the best way to kind of allow the world to expand and getting different points of view because one thing that really hurt the the newest trilogy is the fact that jj abrams clearly had you know episode 8 9 10 
or yeah, seven eight nine. Sorry. Yeah. Seven um, eight nine. Seven eight nine, and you know, then came Ryan Johnson and completely changed what he had planned for episode eight, and the movie just didn't fit. And then when Ryan Johnson left and they brought back JJ. He tried to go back to his original idea, yeah. but it was essentially shoehorning. It was a double shoehorn, eight and nine, you know? So you just had different visions. You had different, um, yeah, 100% different visions on characters and where characters should end up and who they should be and how they should be portrayed. You know, Rose is a perfect example of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Phasma is a perfect example of this. You know, yep. we kind of got screwed over how all a legendary Phasma could have been, could have been the next Boba yep. Fett. But Ryan Johnson clearly didn't care, so you know what happened. We, we she kind of died in the second one, yeah, of this second trilogy or this third trilogy. So I think that having one person in charge of a timeline would give us that beginning, middle, end of the story that you know they deserve to tell, and it allows you know them to be in full charge of what happens, you know, in that yeah. point in time of the Star Wars official canon timeline. I think- that's exactly where Disney fell down on this. I think they know it. And I, apparently that's why Kevin Feige is involved now with Star Wars, which, you know, to see what he did with Marvel, like it or not, there are elements that the Star Wars universe could benefit from. And, and that really is consistency of vision. Yeah. Right. So uh, I really feel like JJ had to retcon in a non-offensive way a lot of what happened in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even down to that whole lightsaber thing. After the Porgs and Last Jedi, and then you know Ray goes to throw lightsaber, and Luke's like, "You don't throw a Jedi's weapon. Don't be so disrespectful." Like you know, like man, that yeah. There was a lot just, of backtracking, to say the least. Yeah, and, that's and, just tough. Like that's when directors fight on screen, mm-hmm. and I know they all say they're not, but they are. They are because that's what I, my takeaway is. So to me, you guys just fought on screen, and unfortunately, this is one hundred percent on Kathleen Kennedy. You know, that this yeah. is her big fuck up. You know, I, I hate pointing fingers, but she's the one in charge. For some reason, you know, they allowed the story to deviate from what J.J. had in his notes. They, it could have been stopped, but they didn't stop it. They gave Ryan Johnson free reigns and they had to backtrack just because of fan backlash. And here we are, you know, where Rise of the Skywalker yeah. really, really hurt because of just the amount of backtracking. And it felt like you know, not only are, are we trying to backtrack and create, get the story back on the J.J. Abrams story uh, timeline, but, you know, we're trying to remove Ryan Johnson from existence. It's almost yeah. as if episode eight did not exist. Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate spot. But I, uh, like I say, I'm, I'm going to loop it back to looking at Clone Wars, looking at Mandalorian, looking at the upcoming Cassian Andor series. Maybe I'm not so excited about that, but I'll still watch it. Uh, the upcoming Obi-Wan. There are some things where they're making decisions that maybe are a little more prudent instead of trying to make an Obi-Wan movie and trying to tell a story in two hours, saying, no, let's take four hours or let's take six hours. You know, let's, uh, the writing's not up to par. Let's go back to the drafting board and write this thing properly. You know, they're doing that, and they're, I think they're trusting Dave and John to do what they're going to do with The Mandalorian. Apparently, they're already in third season prep. So that means second season's, like, uh, as principal photography is probably wrapped, and that thing's being brought together for our October release, right? 
And then we've got the eight more episodes, which I haven't watched. I'm going to watch the first one tonight on the back story of the Mandalorian, the, um, the how they made it. And I, they're going to kite that out to another eight weeks, right? Which means there's going to be eight more weeks of Star Wars fans who are really highly invested keeping their subscriptions and watching that stuff. Even, you know, it's, it's, it's a smart move by Disney to, to reorient their business model that way. Yep. It's not always the most fun as a fan, but no. yeah. It's interesting. All right. So taking us back to the Clone Wars after 133 episodes, after seven seasons, after three attempts of showing us what happens during the Clone Wars, what are your overall thoughts on the Clone Wars? I think for me, largely the first one or two seasons were a bit of a write-off for me, but overall, I think that I enjoyed the entire ride. Um, there are certainly some filler episodes, but uh, they really hit it out of the park, especially, you know, the past two or three seasons. has just been so yeah. on point yeah. and so, so developed, and I can appreciate it so much. I, I, I had a very big smile on my face watching today and, and, and feeling my emotions today watching what happened, and that's a testament to what they've achieved because I think a lot of people – don't give animation the credit it deserves and the storytelling uh, credentials it, it, it should be awarded. I agree. It had its ups. It had its downs. You know, I, but I believe the Netflix season and the Disney Plus season really just made it feel Star Wars. I also feel that, you know, we got a ending that did satisfy me overall. Did, but it did leave me with some questions, but not in a bad way. And I want more. I really want to see more at this point. And I'm super excited to see more. But overall, I am a little sad that th it did end. Fantastic last four episodes. Super happy about that. Really loved how, again, it just felt like a movie. Felt a perfect way to bookend the series. Um, and I can't, you know, overall, I would rate it an eight based on yeah. this last season. Eight out of ten. I think that's fair. And for those fans who are interested in Ventress and, and those plot lines that were kind of left dangling, there's a book called, I believe, Dark Disciple or something like that that basically goes into the full uh, uh, the, the, the production notes. It novelizes the production notes that they were going to do. If this season were a full 22 or whatever the episode run is, those episodes obviously would have been included as well. So they're there for all fans to consume. If you're not aware, I'm sure most of you who are listening who are probably already knowledgeable about that, but uh, just sometimes it isn't always clear. Exactly. So that is our review of the Clone Wars finale. I had a great time watching. I will for sure watch it again. I'm sure I'm going to pick up on a lot of things that we didn't talk about, and we'll talk about them in our regular episodes. Uh, but I wanted to kind of bring this on May the 4th because it is a special day for any geek, any Star Wars fan, any nerd, anyone really. Um, it's crazy how even in the mainstream, even today, during the Prime Minister's address on COVID-19, they were saying, you know, May the 4th with you, blah, 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 blah. It was just hilarious to watch. Um, it's just yeah. crazy how this is a thing now. Um, yeah. But yeah, so 
essentially that's pretty much it that's what i wanted to talk about i want to thank everyone for listening uh let us know what you're doing for may the 4th send any pictures send us comments let us know what you're buying let us know what you're watching let us know what you're reading it's all in canon and that's the important part here uh phil do you want to let our listeners know how they can get a hold of us yeah, you can find us on SoundCloud at It's Canon Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at It's Canon Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at It's Canon Podcast. You'll see uh, shout outs um, to our individual content as well. Feel free to follow um, and, and get to know us. I know that uh, Boris and I are both heavily on the uh, the uh, instant message slash uh, uh, Twitterverse and all that uh, social media stuff. So. Come on by, check us out, and um, yeah, let's talk about canon. Exactly, and if you do have any feedback to the show, uh, you can send email at show at itscanonpodcast.com, and you have Twitter, you have Facebook, you have everything, all the above. Uh, so I just want to thank everyone. Have a great May the 4th, and we will for sure chat on our next episode when we talk all things, everything, and the best part of it all is it's all in canon. Thank you. So, good night.